This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over an eventful week at Manchester United. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. If you're watching on the replay, feel free to say hello and comment. We do still reply to the comments on the replay. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on. Uh, Paul, how are you doing? You all right? I'm all right, thank you, Wayne. You had an eventful weekend. and like, I would like to claim that I was uh, seeing me was the highlight of your weekend, but I'm pretty sure, well, we could talk about United. That could have been a highlight, but it must have been very special because you, you reunited with a bunch of the lads from the 1993 title-winning side. My favourite. Manchester United team, as you know, I've gone on record many times the same. Um, and you met with a bunch of the lads for the event at the Lowry. Um, how, how was it? Was it good? It was good. And first and foremost, you were right when you say meeting you wasn't really the highlight. Actually, meeting your wife was a, was a lot better than yourself, to be perfectly honest, for the first time. So, um, so that was that was very that was very nice to actually meet your wife because you keep mentioning her a lot, and I, and I didn't know anything about her. And obviously, thank you very much for um from the lift from the station as well. So that's much appreciated, yeah. much appreciated. No, but it was good because um <clears throat> a lot of them actually do see each other a lot more than I do. Um, I do because I'm 240 miles away. That's where I am. I don't get up to um Old Trafford as much as I used to, and so to see everyone, it was you know it was brilliant. So I just want to spend most of the time just chatting and. To be perfectly honest, I mean, <clears throat> I sat in the box and watched a game. Me, me, Sharpie, um, sat in um, Robbo's. Robbo works in one of the lounges with Pally, so they yeah. managed to get us a box just off the side of it. So the four of us sat in there, and we what we you know we chatted or a good over a good two hours before the game, during the game, and after the game. And I come back home on a train yesterday, and the most I can remember about everything was just that I had a bad head. To be perfectly honest, and Sundays are the longest train train rides in the world. It would have been quicker to drive. You know, my whole thing took me, my journey from the moment I jumped on the train, five hours, 
where right. I could drive it at worst in four. You know, <laughs> but, yeah, there you are. But yeah, apart from that, I mean, was, I mean, obviously everyone was made up. To, you don't normally get an event like that, so it must have been really nice to sort of tell the stories with the supporters as well. A bit of a different setting, but like nice to sort of share some of those stories. Yeah, it was. It was nice to listen to some of them. Some of them kind of, <clears throat> I thought myself, oh, I didn't know about that. And a lot of them just, and then you find that little bit more out about things because someone can tell a story, fine, you go with it. But if you're not really if you don't really know, you know, exactly what went on, you, then you go with it. But then when you, when someone pipes in and kind of virtually says, no, this happened, then you suddenly think, you say, wow, you know, it was, it was really good. And just seeing the change in people, because when you are playing, you know, you have a great time together, but you don't really go that far. Yeah. So if you was to suddenly say, go and get a team together two, three years after they stopped playing, you know, you bring them all together, you're never going to get anything at all because you're still living in that mindset of being a footballer. But when after after 30 years, you know, of something and you, you go there and then, you know, people like myself, I'm, I'm not involved in the game that way. So I think people are a little bit more open about what they say because cause as far as they're concerned, they're not throwing anybody, anybody under the bus anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it was great to see the pictures as well, you guys all together. Um, very nostalgic, and yeah, it's mad to think 30 years ago. But um, I Wayne, that... Wayne, sorry, one of the papers, I won't mention it, still still use that word, unrecognisable. You know, and you kind of think, yourself, wow, what, you know, especially when the person that they was really pulling it at, they'd already done a bit about him already. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. You know, it was absolutely amazing. It's still going down, going down that path. You know, but if, if it's news to him that Brian McClare is a little bit eccentric and likes a beard on him, then where have they been living for fifteen years? You know, it's... yeah, that's a, that's what I say to people. If anybody was, you know, Chucky, there was always going to be something different about Chucky when he stopped playing. You know, I never knew about the beard, but there would have been something. He wouldn't have been the same person. That you know that when I left in '96, he wasn't going to be that same person if I saw him again. It's, it's just the way it is. So, it's, so for the lads, it was it's not a shock really to see him like that yeah. at all. Well, well, just a great team, and and the beauty of I say the beauty of YouTube, apart from our podcast, of course, is that you can go back. Like obviously, it's harder to go back and see footage of the Busby Babes. It's harder to go and see footage of even uh, the European Cup winning team. But you can, there's so much footage of the team that you guys played in. And it's so, I mean, I, you know, sometimes prefer watching those to the current day teams. Um, but games, watching the highlights of some of those old games. So, I mean, and they're on YouTube. So if you want to know why people like me hold that team in such reverence, then get onto YouTube and just sort of click in any game. I mean, it's also something, and I know I'm nostalgic and I'm dwelling on it, but Alex Ferguson himself, like, sort of said that that team was responsible for like two or three perfect performances. And you and I have talked about this like fairly recently. You know how how is it that over twenty six years the greater concentration of perfect performances, as he described them, and it's quite a statement. Mostly came from that team. Um, yeah, go go on YouTube if you want a recommendation of the games to watch. The FA Cup running 93-94 is some of my favourite performances from that team. So, and they'll all be on there for sure. Um, oh, we could talk about the FA Cup because United are still in it. 
still doing well. Um, we, I guess there's not really much at home to write about with Forrest. You know, routine win, made very comfortable at the end with Bruno Fernandes. But Reading, you were there for. We talked about this last week. Does he does he sort of um, rotate a lot? But he didn't. He put a really strong side out and was rewarded in a sort of comfortable performance, um, which really sort of set a lie in that sort of 10, 15 minutes after the break where United just plundered the goals. Um had a goal disallowed in the first half, which was a you know a little bit sort of um difficult to understand, but VAR is what it is. Um and yeah, Rashford didn't get the record which he was hoping to break with Dennis Violet. Instead, the glory of the game goes to Casemiro scoring two goals, two great goals, and then Fred scoring an exceptional goal. We'll talk about the good parts. Obviously, there were some bad parts in that game, um, namely through the the Reading players, uh, one in particular. But as far as United are concerned, Paul, um, comfortable business. Casemiro scores a couple of goals. This is like, it would have been your first time to see Casemiro at Old Trafford um, playing in, in the sort of domineering role that you will have obviously witnessed alongside Robson, um, Keane, his pomp and Casemiro obviously bosses the pitch like that. It's like his his kind of domain. Um, what what did you make of United's performance on, on Saturday? I have to pull it down. Given everything that goes with it, you you coming up against the Championship side. People still will always talk about an upset. Um, actually, you know, I think it's the first time, one of the few times that I've you know that I've actually talk to you straight after actually sitting at Old Trafford and watching the game with you know that we're talking about normally I'd be in a studio or if United had come south I would have watched them but actually being at OT and watching them play and actually sitting there you know with the three other lads as well and just their general opinions about you know individual about individuals and the team as well you know it's just interesting you know that I really enjoyed that part but it's something I haven't haven't had for years, yeah. you know, in that sense, but and just everybody was just, you know, we're all exactly the same about Casemiro, all exactly the same about him, everything about him. Um, you know, we're all still, you know, it got brought up, mentioned about Graham's, Graham Soonis, what he said, and just, it just, we're all still just, you know, we could we didn't have an answer to it. We're just baffled by his statement. And it's mostly one thing that's kind of really like, it must be grinding him down the fact of what he's come out and said and what he's seeing, because even if Casemiro was levels were to drop a little bit and you know go through a stage, there's, there's no comeback for Graham Soonis because we've already seen him. The one thing which has been mentioned a few times, but he actually looks in the way he is he's actually enjoying himself. Yeah. You know, he, he must he must have loved his time at Real Madrid. You do when you're at, when you're at a big club and things are going well. You can't be in a better place. Yeah. He must have loved it, but I think he's actually getting, I think he's enjoying the adulation, which he was never going to get at Real Madrid because he was never seen one of their big players. Yeah. His role, I think, at Real Madrid stifled him in certain ways. He had to play in a set way. He just had to virtually go around, get it and give it. Yeah. And as we've seen already, and if, and if that's what Graham Soonis is judging him off, then... Maybe I get it in a way, but he should have been bettered. He must have known himself there's, there was more to his game. When you're playing these size, like him, he was like a small small cog in an incredible machine. And m- once he come out, you go one or two ways. You actually struggle to connect with your next machine you go into, or you get in there 
and all you do is you go out and do all the things that you couldn't do before. You you know, you expand your game and he certainly does that. I mean, you're seeing him with his flicks, everything about him. And you mentioned about, you know, Robbo and Keno. And, um, and and they were the way they played. They everything was about them. There was always the, the heartbeat of everything stemmed, you know, good, bad, and indifferent. It stemmed from them. But he's got an, another style. Like you would never get another Brian Robson. Like you'd never get another Roy Keane. Um, Casemiro. I think we'd be saying the same about him. Yeah. But what you do, you will do, is that you'll find another heartbeat who would yeah. do a job in a different way. And that's what Casemiro is. His game is is is, is quite fluid. He's great agility, and just the fact of he's one of those players that you look at him, and he doesn't have to shout and scream at you. You all you want to do is just follow what he's doing. You don't yeah. want to let him down because every he's always trying to help you out, so you're going to help him out. So he is. I mean, to sit there and watch him live, like you know, like that <clears throat> OT when things are going right was absolutely fantastic. But I thought the team played in him. They did everything right, to be perfectly honest. It was always going to be difficult initially. The longer it stayed, nil-nil. But it's just always difficult. And they had their little moments read in, but you could see what you know what they were aiming for. They were just aiming for a smash and grab. And I think the bonus for them, given the crowds they get at Reading, was always to t- try and take Manchester United back, yeah. back home. You know, just to, to get their crowds up, they would have made such a difference for them. But um, it, it was, it was, it was... You, you knew they was going to win. It was as simple as that. It was just a proper, proper professional performance from start to finish. Everybody done their jobs well. And it, for me, it was good to see um, Wan-Bissaka playing at Old Trafford and watching him and seeing there's definitely been an improvement in his game. Yeah. Just in that sense, he has, he has stepped forward since Ten Hag's come in. And as we said before, it was easy for him just to go and just to give up on it, throw the towel in and accept his going. But he hasn't done that, which I'm pleased about. Is he going to be United's right back in a team that's going to maybe 100% compete for the Premier League next season? I very, very much doubt it. But I'm just pleased that he's he's justifying himself now for you know to a point yeah. of a reason why the club went out and paid that money for him. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, the quality of the goals as well, Paul, was exceptional, wasn't it? I mean, Anthony's for, first of all, Eriksson's pass for Anthony, and then Anthony's pass for Casemiro. Um, everyone was sort of raving about the passes, but the finish itself is very clever, the way that he just sort of digs it out. And the second, maybe maybe the slightest of deflections on the second one, but a beautifully hit shot nonetheless. And then um, then the third goal from Fred, very cheeky, the near post. Um, it's good to see um, a team playing well and scoring good goals, isn't it? Rather than scrappy goals, some beautiful goals at the Shepherd end. It's always nice. What- I mean, that was, but that I mean that for me, that is, that is Manchester United. They're the bits that people are seeing now. I mean, they're the bits when, all through these last few seasons, we've been doing this, Wayne. When I'm sitting there and, and I couldn't really say anything positive because if I was, I'd be making it up or I'd making it up with me wearing my rose tinted glasses. What if I was saying it, it just wasn't right? And you know, United were winning games, but I was always questioning the performances always looking at that and saying they have relied again relying on the big players to nick them games and and people a lot of people are trying to fill gaps in about around their performances to make things seem better and you got to, you got to say the truth about things you you have to if you're Manchester United 
and you're really going for something, you ha everything has to be joined together. It can't be disjointed. And now everybody, I mean, even all the lads, you know, when we was together and talking, just the way things are, we was all virtually just saying the same thing. Ten Hag has come in, and we all kind of said it in our own different ways, but I said it before, this is United's first manager since 2013. Yeah. yeah. The actual person who, who for me, the, every way he, the way he is as a person, everything, he, he is a manager of Manchester United. And um, the one person I always, when, when people say things to me where I get, when I hear something from one player in particular, when they say it to me, I always believe them. And that's Dennis Irwin. Yeah. So if Dennis Irwin is critical about something and I'm going against him, I'm saying this, I know in my own mind, I'm going to go towards him because Dennis doesn't just come out and say things for the sake of it. You have to work hard to get anything from Dennis. He ain't just going to come out and say it, um, even to me. Um, and he said a few things to me and, and, that's, and that's why, you know, he sold me on the fact of Ten Hag. Yeah. Definitely sold me. And yeah. he says the same as I do is that, you know, you know he's going to, he'll, he will deliver something, but he needs help. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't just, you know, don't, don't just give him this bit and think, oh, he's done this, that's all right. We just stick by that. That's okay. He can make this happen now. You've still got to help him. Everyone else is getting help at this moment in time, but he would do it right, not just for the sake of spending money. Yeah. Ben uh, puts a comment and he says, this is great to hear. Yeah. Do you know what? I've had some enjoyable starts to podcasts with you, Paul, but I think this is probably about the first my favourite 15 minutes that we've ever had. Um, I, I, it's the buzz. I, I think what it is, what you, you, you said, just one little thing. And it's just, because we've all seen this sort of thing with Keane and Casemiro you know, on the pitch, that they, you know, they, there's been a couple of um, instances where they've bumped into each other and you can see that there's a respect there. Um, but when you said when you said that about Robbo, Robbo likes him, I'm like, okay, I've got like a little goosebump down my back. You know, like Robson likes Casemiro and he appreciates it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And all you guys sort of vouching for Tenog. Because it's one thing where you're in the stadium and or, or watching the game, wherever you're watching the game, not just necessarily at, at the ground, where you, when you're watching it, but it looks like United and it feels like United and you get, as a supporter, you get emotional um, in moments like that. You really do. When, you know, like when, even when players come back from like a odd, time or something when when they've gone through hardship and they're playing well and you've sort of been on that recovery trail with them but then when it's the whole team and when it's the whole club um and they play in a way like i think it you know obviously the first thing was the the liverpool game at the start of the season when ten obviously it lit the right act to them and and they put on a great show and ever since then it's been you know proper manchester united performances and for the best team that I ever saw. Um, all, all my heroes to be saying the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, thank God we all sort of realise that we're going in the right direction. But yeah, it, yeah, very professional, you know, routine performance in a way, you know, put them to bed. Um, and even the late goal uh, that we conceded, not really too much to worry about. Uh, we're going to be changing the defence up. Sometimes you can see goals like that. Um, the one... Little thing, obviously, Ericsson leaves the game on crutches because for 25 minutes of the second half, Andy Carroll is running around like a man possessed. Uh, I've put on Twitter that it's one of the most disgraceful things that I've seen uh, from a, an opposition player at Old Trafford. Um, I'm wondering your thoughts. And we've seen some bad ones. I can remember 
just at the end of your time, can you remember the West Ham player? Was it Boogers who went in on yeah, Gary Boogers Neville? On, on Gary Neville, yeah. Um, I can remember <coughs> Kitson, Dave Kitson for Reading. He went in on, he did a pretty bad one on the opening day of a season a few years ago, uh, maybe 15 years ago now. Um, but he went in three times, Carol, and all three of them were red card offences, and all three of them, he was looking to hurt players. It's. <laughs> And he and he did, and he and he gets sent off, and then he's looking surprised that he's got sent off. You know what he's doing? He's deliberately going out to hurt someone. And, and yeah, people say, "Oh, Roy Keane did it against Holland," and I'm not excusing that. He he got sent off, and he he um deserved to get sent off. Uh, ben says Kevin Davies with cleverly as well. Yeah, we've seen like, like you know when it when it crosses over from all right, it's boiled over. It's come- rivalry and it goes to something different like it was with Andy Carroll on Saturday I mean I'm talking as a fan you as the former player Paul, you've seen the same thing you've seen a player in Andy Carroll who went out there literally just to hurt someone yeah oh yeah without a doubt he looks like somebody who just suddenly realised he can't do it anymore and he's just everything was just about someone with a grudge just not, not just disappointing himself that he can't do what he used to do and it was very unprofessional I don't don't know I'm really it was so and you know the discipline was terrible and you know Incy should have dragged him off really yeah should have should have taken him off be honest because you wouldn't have noticed him if he had taken him off really because we only only knew he was there when I first when I saw that first challenge what he'd done on Ericsson and I'm really surprised because every time I see that referee's name something England and he always, he cannot wait to get his cards out. And he's, I see him quite as a, a very, I mean, the, the way he behaves and what he does, so disrespectful to players. I know you've got to give respect, but if the person has got to, you know, you know, go with you as well. You yeah. know, both of you give it, but he doesn't him. He just, it seems like he just doesn't like footballers. And when he's given out cards, he's very aggressive. But in that game, he didn't, he didn't act quick enough. Yeah. did not act quick enough and that's what it's about and you know we know those days are gone now when you make you know you're allowed one that's gone now which is really inferior which is is quite good because that, that first one could be one that could just finish you straight yeah. away and all of a sudden you get a rest going yeah I've got to give him that one no it doesn't matter when it is you know and yes it could ruin the entertainment of the game if a referee did react straight away but I'll tell you what you, you know, you just might save someone's season, really, or maybe even worse, save their career. Yeah. If you, you know, well, let's put it this way: the Paul Gascoigne one, when Paul Gascoigne got against Nottingham Forest. Yeah. If the referee had acted, reacted to his first challenge he done, Paul Gascoigne wouldn't have got injured. He would yeah. have calmed down. And the referee didn't know Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne is hyper before a game, nervous energy is coming through and he wants to do really well and he shouts and screams and he gets out there and he's his own zone. And that was him. That, was, that wasn't that was him going, I'm going to do him. That's him. The way it was, the referee gone, bang, you can have that. That would have calmed Paul down. Yeah. But he didn't. He went, oh, it's the first one. It's okay. All of a sudden, Paul Gascoigne gets that serious knee injury and he gets his knee injury and and brilliant, that's a, that really a f- stopped him going out straight after straight after a, an FA Cup final. Whenever I think it was FA Cup, yes, and going out to Lazio and starting the season off of them, he had to. He spent maybe a good season injured, didn't he, before yeah. he, his debut? So referees have to act. I mean, <clears throat> don't want to talk about them, but look at Liverpool yesterday. Three challenges yesterday. One oh. of them when he 
Yeah. I mean, the ref, Fabinho, should have been sent off. They're the ones that straight down the back of someone's Achilles and they're, and they're saying VAR can't can't get involved because of this. Sorry. He knew, he knew it as well. Fabinho, you yeah. could see Oh, you could see him, yeah. But so, just do it. Yeah. Send him off and worry about it later. But everyone would have backed him yeah. on that because that was what everyone's trying to stamp out. You know, I don't want people getting booked and sent off when players are cheating, as what happens a lot. They overact to get people sent off. That was the challenges that have finished many many a career during my time and before going yeah. into people's Achilles. Because you you have an Achilles tendon, and that's if that hopefully the young lad hasn't because he's having a great season, the lad Ferguson. And if but if that is, I mean, if that is one of them, they're hard to come back from. And it isn't the physical; it's the mental side of it. Neil Webb comes to mind. Yeah. You know, on that side of it, it's a it's a hard one because that that's taking so much weight and so much movement down there, it could really affect him. And and he's got away with it. Robinson Robertson got got away with one as well. It was it was terrible, absolutely terrible. I can't. Yeah, especially like, and we talked about this with the City game and the Palace one, and like the referees carrying it around. And I've talked to referees and a couple of the high profile ones from the nineties. And they basically have sort of said that, yeah, subconsciously, you do carry it around. You, you know, you, you're thinking it's not like it's active, it's prominent in the decision, like, oh, they got a penalty last week, so they're not going to get one this week. But subconsciously, they've admitted it plays a part. That like, They're only human. I understand that. And all right, so it's a bit of a joke with the offside. You know, maybe United won't get another offside decision in their favour for a while, even with technology being uh, meant to be the adjudicator itself. Um, but the stuff like the the really dangerous tackles, if you see Andy Carroll doing what he did, and we'll get back to Carroll in a second, but then you've got the day after where you've got these dangerous tackles again from the Liverpool players. Surely, like if it, why is that not in the mind of the, the referee to still say, whoa, 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 you know, you can't be encouraging this kind of thing because if it's, I'm not saying it encourages, you know, like the, in the next games you're going to see more dangerous tackles because obviously that'll get clamped down and and by and large footballers aren't like that these are individual instances of players getting away with acts but I just I, I just come back to the Carroll thing I just think what are you playing at minute like what well, everyone can see what you're doing and and I've since I posted this on Twitter everyone's like coming back and saying well you know United against Arsenal in 2004 was pretty bad and stuff but it's it's not the same. It's not that you've got a player who went out there on three different occasions to deliberately try and really hurt an opponent. And like, yeah, I I actually talked to um, I tweeted Keith Hackett, who was the old referee from the nineties. He was you know head of the referees association for a long time, and he he commented on the tweet saying, oh, you know, like yeah, that's you know you're right, and Andy Carroll was sent off the way that he should have been sent off. But I actually said to him, you know, is is there no sort of protocol in there where, where you know, like you'd see it in the friendlies all the time, and you mentioned it earlier, like Paul Lynch should have had a word and brought him off. In, in friendlies, you always see it. If someone gets a yellow card, the referee will go to the manager and just say, just bring him off, it saves me a headache. They should be doing that in these kind of games as well. That should have been done, shouldn't it? I mean, that that's the kind of thing where, it goes beyond a yellow card and a red card. This is like a guy who's like literally just out to hurt someone. He shouldn't be on a pitch. On on that occasion, he shouldn't be on a pitch. Um, 
And I, 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 to be honest, Wayne, sorry to prolong this one, you've got a fourth official on the line and all these years, because we was talking about this at the weekends, um, especially with Sparky, look, all of a sudden mentioned there was a, there's somebody who sits on one of the team's benches and his job is to get, get into the fourth official's face. That's a yeah. job, by the way, almost like a job. And you think, yourself, but it's a battle you're never going to win. Because yeah. he's always going to side with the referee. Even if the referee's made a mistake, he'll have a reason why he's made that mistake. That's, that's kind of, they're pacifiers in that way. But there's people who actually, just, that's their job. You've got Kevin Nolan who does it for West Ham, always at the fourth official. You're never going to win that. In fact, you might even lose the referee because the fourth official is going to get the ump and he goes, Coy, he's getting right on my nerves, Kevin Nolan, you know, so-and-so. Just, you know, you should do it because it's human nature. Something, you know, just don't bother with that one. Now, leave that one because he's been the right pain. But I think the fourth official is is meant to be watching the game. He can see something. He can hear the referee. The referee can talk to him. The fourth official could whisper to that person who's been, who's just a trained chimp to go and who's been talking to him and just say to him, just to let you know, uh, you you better calm that player down because another challenge, he's going to go. Yeah. And that's what it needs. I don't know if they do it, but it just needs that. It needs to make it, we need to find out actually what exactly people's jobs are. What is the fourth official's job properly? What is he meant to be seeing and doing? Because you were seeing a few, I mean, I saw one yesterday and all of a sudden there was a challenge made and it was it a foul? It was touch and go. And then all of a sudden within that gap was, was too long for the referee to have made his mind up. The referee got told it was foul. And straight away, he's just gone, blends whistle, and the play was always, was going to go into another transition. Yeah. It got, the referee blew that late. It wasn't about letting play go on just to see what happens next. The referee, someone's told him the ear. Oh, well, that's a foul. So I think we're getting now, we're getting the puppets. The referees now are going to be called RPs. They're referee puppets. I think in certain ways they are. They're be- I just think they're being told what to do. Assistant referees now are virtually just flagging for, you know, they've been told which way the ball's going so they can flag which, you know, to say whose throw it is. They don't make their own decisions when fouls are in front of them. You know, and again, we talked about this with Robbo. There, there was a guy, I've seen something on Twitter. Robbo got sent off at Sunderland. Yeah. And, I, and he's been on Twitter. I was mentioning it to Robbo, and he meant he went, yeah. He goes, you know, someone sent it to him. He said he couldn't believe that. So I said, so what it was, he had a little bit of a, a squirmish with um, Barry Venison, and the play had gone on. The play had gone on quite a while, but it was the assistant referee. So he was called a linesman, then I should say, Lino yeah. was the um, was the other side of it. He was the one who got Robbo sent off. Yeah. He said he couldn't argue about it. Because it was there, the assistant referee was there, he goes, but he was the one that referee didn't see it, didn't know about it. But the assistant referee, yeah, the assistant referee was just flagging and flagging. Yeah. And he got sent off at Roker Park. I can't remember what what game it was. All I know is there's wearing that dark blue strip. Yeah. And it was at Roker. So I don't know if it was a cup game or whatever. So um, that was when, that's when assistant referees were actually involved in the game. Anyway, I diversed a bit. I moved no, get back uh... to uh, the the residual point then is that Ericsson did pick up an injury. He was always likely to hurt someone. He's hurt Ericsson. Ericsson left the ground on crutches. We wait and see what the extent of that. It's a bit of an awkward one, isn't it? Because a lot of people, I think, because Casemiro's been so emphatic, a lot of people have sort of said, oh, 
I, I think they've undervalued Ericsson a little bit. They don't understand how sort of crucial he is to the sort of metronomic, you know, the, the just sort of yeah. the safe passage well, of the play. Yeah, well, he's the easiest one to go and say when things ain't going right to go to him. Yeah. And you don't you don't know until it's gone. Yeah. To well, be perfect. And listen, if if Eric if um if Christian's going to mix miss the next game, the player who's going to come in, whoever comes in, is never going to play like him. No. Fred will come in and he'll be tenacious. He'll do this. He'll do. But he's not going to be Ericsson when when he gets on the ball. No. And that's the difference he brings. People would say, I mean, I would say when he gets around, he'd be able to do this and do that. But when you need that calming moment, there's more of a guarantee. There's a hundred percent more guarantee than what there is with Fred. When yeah. Fred's right, he's right. When it's going wrong for him, it goes wrong for him. So you, the chances there are that they will, he will be missed when he's not there. So that's where Ten Hag needs help. He needs help now to from, from above. And obviously the issues of what's going on, the club's you know up for sale and whatever's going on. I don't know how how that all works, Wayne. But the most important thing is that for me is that he can he go out and improve, go out there and improve and get somebody. So if he was going to go and get somebody, he's going out there to buy somebody who's who can who's to play in the team, not for the squad, not to just to be there because they can do a similar job to who's in the first team. He's got yeah. to bring someone in to play in the, to to play in his starting eleven for yeah. me. And then what you do is then there might be a little bit of a battle for a while. Then one of them will have to sit on the bench, and straight away you've got a ready-made ready-made person there sitting there ready ready to come on. That's, yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's how you do it. You don't go on like a lot of these when they talk about it. I'm going to go and buy him because he will improve my squad. I don't think you should want to hear that. What you want, you want your team to get better. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're sitting five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points clear in the league. You still, as I think a lot, you'll always, you're always looking to improve. Can yeah. that person improve my team? Can he make yeah. them better? Is he is everything about? Is he got the right character to to go into my team and improve it? And that's and that's how you make a good squad. Not just go and buy squad players because they'll always be happy to sit around and watch a game of football. Ben Allen says um, Ten Hag seems to be angling for another player to come in. Seems like we need one quality player if possible, given the games ahead. Yeah, it's very very awkward considering like, we've got two days of the the window left and. I think the the point you're making basically is, is kind of like a, a knock on to what we were talking about last week when I sort of brought up the elements of um, of Leicester and you're kind of saying you want a De Jong rather than a Tielemans. Do you know what I mean? You want the first team established player in there, and I, you know I'd love that to happen. And I look at where United are at the moment, the reality of their financial situation with or without um, new owners in this period of time makes it very difficult unless they um, speculate to accumulate um, with, you know, like not a lot down, but a guarantee of future payments is going to be difficult to get that player in. So let's hope that the Ericsson thing was a precaution and that, you know, if he misses a couple of games, so be it. Um, I mean, if he misses the next one, it shouldn't be too bad. Um, Paul, because it'll be Forrest at home. Um, we've got a 3-0 lead from the first leg, so I mean, we've, we've talked about the value of rotating and the value of keeping a strong side, but this is one, considering the league, considering the fact that Fernandez scored that goal in the last minute at the City ground, this is one where he can afford to rotate. Maybe not like 11 players, but you know, he can afford to change it around for, for the Forest game, right? Yeah. I would I would say so when you got when you're three new up 
at home, you'd expect so. But you still need you still need key players in key areas. You still need you still need a spine. You still need a strength to go out there because as you as you see, they're quite dangerous for us. As we yeah. saw with it, we saw with a disallowed goal. You know that was oof, that was so close, really, really close. And yeah, not that it was, yeah, not not that it was a bad line. I mean, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there wasn't anyone sitting too deep. Everything seemed you know almost right, but it was just that moment of um of Surridge just went that fraction, you know. Yeah. And to be honest, in fact, without all this ruling now, VAR and everything, you look. I mean, if you watch the back four, or whoever it was, the three who were in there. And when that ball goes in the back of the net, they're, they're not, you know, their reaction was their shoulders go, oh no, they've come back again, you know, and shoulders go. And all of a sudden then, hold on a minute, it could be, we've got VAR, we've got, we've got, we've got that escape card, got escape card, offside, and then it's yeah. a hope. And, and that's what his reaction, so if that was given in normal circumstances without where we are today with technology, gone on, Everyone, it was a goal. No one was going to complain about it. Hmm. You know, and that's and that's where we are now. We can actually just look at those those little bits there, and we can give things. So that was a that was that one bit of good luck which they got because really on the night United were far superior to Nottingham yeah. Forest, but but they had those moments. And yeah. and if, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that I don't know. Maybe Malassia will be at left back. I don't know if that would make a difference then, really, with Brent, <clears throat> with Brendan Johnson up there. But Forrest will believe they'll go out and see if they can score early. So I think it's important if you put out two weaken sides. I, yeah. I don't know. It still it still worries me. Still still yeah. worries me about doing that. First 15, 20 minutes are so important not to concede, not to give. Them, in other words, don't start don't start like like you did at the Emirates. In, in that sense, you know, so it's it's quite important. Three nil should be safe, but it happens yeah. to come back from three nil down. Um, ben says you wouldn't want to be one nil down early with a much changed side. Got to be a little bit careful. Yeah, but to be fair, Tenog knows what he's doing with the squad. He seems to have a really good handle on it. I mean, he's made a, a couple of changes over the last couple of games, even though he's kept a strong side. He's made a couple of changes, and you know. Three goal victories, you know, we can't ask for much more than that. A really strong response to the to the Arsenal setback. I'd, I, I'm not one to make predictions, Paul. You know, but um, I do kind of think that we'll be sat here next week saying um, we're in a final. I, I think it's too strong to throw away at this point. Um, probably been playing Andy Carroll's Newcastle. Well, Andy Carroll's by the team Newcastle, which is probably why he was so desperate to try and hurt some of United's main. Players went out like a, they were target on Casemiro and Eriksen's back. Um, the next game in the league is going to be Palace at home on Saturday. The rare, rare occasion of a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff for United at Old Trafford. Can't even remember if there's been one this season. Um, there might have been one, um, but other than that, it's just been you know rearranged games all the bloody time. And yeah, Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff. Feels like football's back for a little bit. Um, obviously, we played Palace a couple of weeks ago, Paul. Drew 1-1 in the last minute. Probably a different proposition at Old Trafford, but they're still going to be, you know, they're, they're not a team who changes, you know what I mean? They don't change from home or away. They go and try and play the same way. So it's going to be um, fairly difficult for United, just as it was down there, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, I mean, saying it again, which 
Shinji's thing to say, but they're, they're going to have to start quite well, start quite strong. Saw Crystal Palace go to Chelsea and show no fear. Maybe a little bit unfortunate to come away from there um, um, with what they got. So that, you know, if you get them right, um, if you get them when it's right, then you will get something. But they're just one of those sides. If you start really, really well and you just take away that good feel factor from they can capitulate quite quickly. Yeah, that's one thing I've seen about Palace at home. A little bit different in that sense, but away from home, that can happen. If you give them, you know, if you if you do it, get the bit between your teeth, and you go at them, you can, you can do it. There's a lot of teams used to during my time. You come to Old Trafford, and you do. I mean, like, <clears throat> I did it on a, you know my occasions with Queens Park Rangers. You start looking at the players when they're on a roll. You start looking at them, and and then you walk out, and you you see what's around you. And you just know, you feel it, and a few players will feel it. And it's about getting at them. And then once you once you once you get what you want out of it, and you take the game to them, I mean, generally they don't come back. So it's really really important. I mean, they still always believe they'll go to the Etihad, and they always believe Palace that they can still get something there. Yeah. That's the way they are, and which they have done in the last in the last couple of um, three or four seasons. They've gone there a couple of times and got something, haven't they? I think. Yeah. yeah and, you know. Some good goals there as well. Um, yeah, it was the um, what's his name? The and what's his and name? Thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got. I think he's got. Yeah, he's got a few there, a couple there. Yeah. So, but it's one. It is one of those games. The one, one, the one, one down down there was a, a very, 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 very difficult game. Really, yeah. really difficult. It was all. It was always going to be difficult, and I, I still say Ten Hag got it wrong with his substitutions. Um, in that sense, it, it changed the game too quickly. It changed it, and it, it allowed Crystal Palace to take the game on. Yeah. And Vieira's substitutions got Palace a point by bringing on Schlupp and got a player who's going to run without the ball. And they couldn't deal with it from midfield. It just it just made such a difference. I'm sure he would have looked at that, and he would he would remember about what he'd done now. <clears throat> and as you saw against Reading, even though substitution he's made. It made a difference, didn't it? It brought a little bit of an edge more in the game. Once they got that one back, it made a little bit of a difference. The team react to key players when they come off, yeah. and they and they step on, and in that way, and that's what Palace done. And don't and just got to make sure that something like that doesn't happen. Even though it won't, because he'll again, he'll go, you know, be Varane and um, Martinez. Is it Mart? Is it Martinez and Martinez? Martinez. I just say both. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, double, yeah, it's a double barrel Martin Martinez, yeah. Martin Martinez, whatever you want to call him. So we'll, we'll go with those two again because that gives everyone assurances. During my, you know, everything United's major strengths over their great teams. People will talk about the Eriks. They will talk about Coley. They will talk about everything. The Roy's, the Giggsies, all things like that. But it's always <clears throat> under Sir Alex. It was about two two centre halves were just as important. Yeah. And everyone talks about great size and they'll always talk about the centre halves that played. Yeah, absolutely. And you would expect that it'll be Varane and Martinez or Martinez. Um what wanna maybe we'll maybe we'll play Martinez and Martinez and then we'll have a really good back line. <laughs> um yeah, but we'll be back next week to talk about the hopefully United in a final and um a win over Palace. It's it is gonna be a tricky one, especially if Ericsson doesn't make it for that. Um so you 
I mean, like you said, you don't know what you got till it's gone. But people who have been a little bit critical of Ericsson over the last sort of month or so will be um, noting his absence quite quickly. I would expect over the if if he does um, miss the um, the game against Forest at least. Um, Ben says thanks both. No, thanks uh, to you guys for watching and listening. If you're watching live on YouTube and Facebook, uh, please subscribe and like the video. It really helps us out. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening on because that obviously helps a lot as well. We'll be back next week, guys. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.